on the bottom of page Kuflam and Aleph, which is this is this is a hayra. This is an important important reminder in all of our Hashem on the bottom of Kuflam and Aleph, moving into Kuflam and Gimel. We're in Kuflam and Gimel's beginning, as he always does. There'll be a chazar. He's going to be reviewing and bringing us back up, especially since we the last week we're learning Hanukkah and Yonim. So. When the, we're, we're in the sugi of tefillah, of davening. We're not talking about davening, but really what does it mean to daven? And hadvar ma'yoytsam ha'alev, b'chnosam ha'alev, words that come out from the heart, enter into the heart. The ikka is not other people's hearts, but our own hearts. And to, and to receive from the words that we ourselves are saying in tefillah, this is what we've been talking about. And we're going to have a little bit of review at the beginning of the next parak anyway. But this nakud at the at, at the conclusion of Parak Yugimel is very important for all of our Avodas Hashem. Kan the bottom of Kuf Lamer Aleph. Kan Aleinu Lahaisif Nakuda Pshutim. Here it's important to add a simple nakuda. Ulahavonis Hadvarim Nishtamish B'Moshul Hayidu B'Maisish Rabbi Kiva Imamayim Shesochaku Ha'Even Even. You remember the story about Rabbi Kiva. Who at that point in his life changed everything and and decided to go learn. This was with his chaskas of his wife. But the idea of how such a thing could be possible, the person feels that, how do I make up for 40 years of not learning? How do I make up for 40? Now, nowadays we have to do that even if you went to yeshiva, right? That's the chiddush of our times. How do I make, and being a front person and learning the yeshiva, we still have to figure out how to, how do I make up for 40 years of all that time that I, I, I don't know anything, I didn't learn anything. And a person obviously feels like being misyayish, you feel like giving up, but there's no tachlis, I'm going to remain forever the person that I have been until now. So you remember that the, that there are things that happened to every kiva that, that there was simonim from Shemaim, simonim that he got from Hashem, that, that, that it's not too late. And this simon was the drop of water, the, the water dripping on the stone that had made that hole in the stone, right? Over the, over the course, of course, of thousands of years, that it had penetrated, the drops of water had penetrated. The Svaramakadashim often referred to that marshal that Rabbi Kiva said, well, if, if, if a drop of water, drop after drop, is able to make such a rishim, such an impression to actually... The soft drop was able to bore through at some point to bore through a, a, a stone. Then certainly the 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 words of Torah, which are compared to water, certainly they can drill through a mind like mine and a heart that is like mine. Now the Swarm tells that called tipa the tipa v'fnayatzma. Any individual drop you all learn this, you know this. It's part of your forty years in yeshiva. They're called tipa the tipa v'fnayatzma. That each individual drop, im adam hayabal lived like b'mar ha'inayim, mahi pala. If you would go, if you would go with a magnifying glass or a microscope, and you would look, at, and you would look at this rock as that new drop is is hitting it, and you'd want to see, wow, what is it? What's it carving? What's that drop carving into the rock? You wouldn't see anything. The same way you wouldn't see if you put a seed in the ground and you go and you sit by the tree. And you don't go to sleep, you just look at it. And you, and you, you, and the, and you would see, let's say, or you see a little sapling you put into the ground. And you stare at it. 
you wouldn't see and it's raining and then the sun comes out and you say well there's, this, there's a little tree and there's rain and there's sunlight this looks like it has all of the makings of a, of a, a, a redwood you know this is going to be a big tree and there's going to be fruit so you're staring at it you don't see anything happening <coughs> so you don't see any 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 imprint or effect of an individual drop you wouldn't see that that particular individual drop had any effect upon the rock. And if somebody would say to you, do you believe, if you didn't know that this was possible, do you believe that it was the, these drops of water that made a hole through this uh, thick stone? You would say that that's not possible. That's simply not possible. Based upon your scientific, scientific observation for that moment, and since you didn't know anything about how it works over the course of, of time, you would just be looking at that moment and you would say, it's not possible. The rock is very, very hard and the water is very, very soft. I watched it myself. I looked under a microscope and nothing happened. I didn't see anything carving any drop of water that was able to do such a thing. Thousands and hundreds of thousands of, of drops are mitzdarif are joining together, one with the other drop, one with the other drop, another drop, another drop, together, that is Tarfus, over many years. Then Mizgala Nekuda Mashmuusis Shehufka Aydehatibus. Then, Shehufka Aydehatibus. Then you could find the meaningful change that took place as a result of the drops. It's not, it's not this drop or that drop. It's not one drop, or uh, it's not one drop. When does it happen? How did, it, how did that, that first, you know, Roshim take place, that imprint on the stone that began to drill it, to move it towards that point where it would actually be a hole? It's impossible to know. But one thing is clear. The drops are consistently falling over the course of time. That's the only way it could work. And that's the only way it works with... That's the only way it works with with, with Torah also and with and with Yiddishkeit. That's the only way that it works. We spoke about this earlier. You could say words. We spoke about this around two months ago. You could say something that inspires a person, so they get you give them like a shot, an injection, and there's a hisayrus for the moment or for the day. Something with Yiddishkeit. You can get that. You hear a drasha or something, or or God forbid something terrible happens to somebody and you start to think what's the tachas of my life and uh, what's going to be with me it's an Osiris but it's like a it's, it's like a big it's like a big splash of water if you go over to the if you go over to the rack with a hose even with like a power hose is that what it's called when it goes very strong mm-hmm. you go over with a power hose and you spritz on the rack it's not going to make a hole in the rack so even if you go to the best drosha, right? You go to the best shir, you have the best kol nidre, or the best ni'ila. In other words, the best, you had the biggest simch, you married off your kid, and you thought this kid would never get married, and you married off the kid. Or you, or, or you went to the best levaya, or whatever, like it's a gewaldige levaya, it was really, a terrible, terrible tragedy. It was a big levaya, and, and it made a bow. And, and you said, this is, this is something I have to think about, and you go home, and, and you tell your wife, we have to, we have to think about changing and so on so that's like a power hose it doesn't make a it doesn't make it doesn't make a hole in the in the heart it doesn't change the it doesn't change the nature of the rock just like if you go over to the wall with a power hose clean it a little bit it'll be like for a couple of days it'll look nice but same thing with you and with me 
if we hear a very inspiring shir, or there's a big simcha, there's God forbid something big, the other way, that's not good. So, <coughs> but it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it, that's called his iris. Everybody's looking for his iris. To go to a good shir, to go to, to, to see something that will make a big roshim, to have a big simcha. That's his iris. But that doesn't, that's, that doesn't bore a hole through, through a lave shall even, through a heart that is stone. It doesn't do it. It doesn't change your life. A little bit, but it doesn't change it. All of us have had those kind of things. It doesn't change your life. You can look back sometimes the same day. I, I, I told you once before that that when they, there's the famous mice they have by the Chavetz Chaim with the Dibbuk, you know, in God, that there was in the there was some kind of a dibuk in the shama whatever that went into that that went into a girl and took over. It was like a, a possession. They call it by the guy. There was a dibuk. It was a real thing. The Chavetz Chaim said it was real. And there were tzaddikim that were there, but there were tzaddikim that were there. Yidden, there might be two or three yidden that were st- that are still alive. That were there, they saw it. They were in Raden. They heard. They heard the the girl talking in a man's voice in other languages and saying things about everybody in the room that they that nobody else knew. And and the Chavetz Chaim said it was an amesik So it was a very very big hisayrus in Raden because all the things that you always believed in, you saw before your eyes that there's a next world. That you punish <coughs> for your avarice, you know, like you saw everything, everything they saw, and and it made a very big tumult, a very big tumult. There were boys that walked in, Bachem wanted to see the dibbuk, and they walked in, and the dibbuk looked, the girl looked at the at the at the Bachem and said, "You're not embarrassed to come over here. This is the very you did two weeks ago with this person and named the person in town, and and that were you who the who the married lady is that you're thinking about all the time, day night, and you're doing all kinds of affairs. So you understand the Bachim all tearing out of the place, they're running out of the place. And the only ones that were there were Bachan and Rebel Yudoshin Sadiqim stayed there. And everybody else was afraid to go. And and I heard this from my Rebbe. I heard this from my Rebbe, who was there. That he said that that, that, that night when that it happened, this was all coming out like in the afternoon. That night was Mar so the guy went up to Davmar. For the Ahmed, who Rachmi Chavim Lash Chizmat, Davmar, and he's Kadosh Kashmir Aleinu, and Kadosh finished. So Biyuchim, Biyuchim was there, Biyuchim Levavitz, and Biyuchim started to scream afterwards. He said, "Look at what a human being is. You saw three hours ago, Shavarinish, Bechira Chavshes, Olam Haba, Mashiach, Chiesa Meisim, almost all thirteen, almost all of Yud Gimel, Ikarim." Almost all 13 principles of Yiddishkeit you saw this afternoon. And it's giving the Zelba Marav. What does it mean? It's the same Marav as any other night of your life. The same Marav. It's three hours later, Rabbi Yucham said. I heard this in my Rebbe. The same Marav. You'd think that it would be like a, a, a Neela, no? Everybody screaming and crying and yelling out. Oh, a couple hours later, it was like a, it was a very exciting show. It was a very exciting show. And everybody, everybody is, is very taken aback by by the uh, by what happened. And three hours later, what is it does make a rishon on a person? What is it that makes a hole in the heart that's stone? It doesn't have to be the power wash. Something real, something soft. It could be a cold ramadaka, but it's consistent, day after day, <coughs> weeks, months, years of avoda. Of thinking, of tefillah, of his bainanus. You could the reason, the purpose of his iris is to wake somebody up so that they'll get they'll get onto the program or they'll get the, or they'll, or they'll get the drops. 
That's why you, you, you try his service to get that person back to thinking and trying. But you, you don't live with his service. You understand? That's not how you live with his service. You have to live with a binion. A binion means one brick at a time, one drop at a time. That's how you live with a binion. You just kind of have to be a binion. It's the same thing when it comes to when it comes to relationship between people. I was saying this. Uh, Tuesday night I was talking to the giving a share to the women in the shul and talking about this. It's the same thing. You have some people that their family life consists of power wash every now and then. You know what that means? The family's going on a big, like a big uh, inter- intercession trip. You know, they're going like skiing for three days, and the kids like it's gewaldic. It's gewaldic. Everybody's having a great time, and the parents and the kids are laughing and they're having a good time. I mean, that's also not. Even those, you know, are not so precious. But let's say it's one of the better of those trips. And everybody's having a great time. And they go to this fancy place. And they eat out together. And everybody's feeling so nice and close. So you think that you talk to those kids 20 years later, that none of them would need psychologists, right? And you, and, and then you, the parents find out, that, you know, that, the, that their married kid is in therapy for the last 14 years. And so I don't understand. We went three times a year. We went on, I took them to Israel for a week. I took this kid skiing for three days, and I and uh, and every now and then on a Sunday I took him to the, to the I took him to the ballpark. This kid, like, why would he have any problems? We were bonding all the time, four days a year, at least <laughs> five days a year we bonded. And in the, in the, in our parents and grandparents' generation, they didn't have these super duper power power wash events, like they didn't have intercession and they didn't go, you know. Israel for five days to stay by the Laram or something or the Inbal place. They didn't have any of that stuff. What did you what do you have? You have drop after drop, day after day of Ahava. Ahava doesn't mean kumzits and dramatic things, it means Pashita good goodness and kindness and being involved and listening to and caring. This is this is a disappearing art by many people. The latest thing, I'm not talking about by the government, I'm talking about by, by UNDIS, by us. The, the new way, the new way of, in Yiddishkeit, certainly in the more affluent neighbors, this is going to be more of a, more of a mahalach. That the new way is just to, like to give these, these big, like occasional blasts. And that, and then the kids have a good time. And, but the parents think that that's bonding. Like I told, I told you in school the other day, I don't think I said to you this other, but my, my daughter was telling me, the latest, the latest thing is how um, I said this the Chaburah Friday morning. The, yeah, Friday morning I was talking about this. The latest thing is how the, the the these mothers are coming into the school to take their sixth, seventh, eighth graders out in the middle of school during lunch to take them over to Central Avenue to go for coffee and like a, a you know a salad. They're taking the the sixth grade girls during during lunch out from school. So technically, understand that means that the mothers that don't do that are not such good mothers, right? They're not good mothers, and my, and and there are many levels. My my daughter asked, so my daughter asked the, this mother, like, uh, why why are you doing that? We have here we have lunch with the girls together. Are you taking that? So she said in this way. She said to my daughter, I guess you don't know what it means to bond with your daughter. You know that that town. I guess you don't know what it means to bond with your daughter. <laughs> that new way that the women talk. You heard that? It's the latest, the latest in from somewhere. I don't know where. 
<laughs> That's called bonding with your daughter. To take your kid out of school, like a little princess, and to bring her over to the coffee shop. <clears throat> That's called bonding with your daughter. But you'll excuse me, the shiksa does homework with the daughter. You understand? <laughs> and, if, and if the kid needs something in the middle of the night, then the husband and wife have to have to have, uh, have to go for therapy for three weeks to, because they're fighting over who got up in the middle of the night. Mysterious nefesh. Mysterious nefesh. To get up in the middle of the night. You talk to some of the young mothers nowadays, they sound like their lives are the most bitter lives that there's never a person that suffered as much as me. So you think that God forbid they had sick children, right? You think Hasashalom, they didn't have any panasa. No, healthy children. Panasa coming out of the ears. So what's what's your life so miserable? The regular things that kids do. Like kids kids are high maintenance, that's how they are. And they require attention and they cry and they break. You know, there's a lot of stuff with kids. Oh my life, I have such a hard life. Such a hard life. This is called bonding with a child nowadays, to take a kid out from school and to to go for a coffee on the avenue. Well, like I said, she, or my daughter was telling me that they give another latest thing. They give $50 to these little girls, sixth grade girls, they give them $50 to go on Central Avenue, call me before Shabbos, I'll get you. So somebody that's not in the Indian that I'm talking about, so it sounds like, what are you being, making a big deal? It's not such a big deal, it's a very big deal. It's not the biggest deal, but it's a big deal because it's the erosion of a relationship. And then these mothers don't get it. They say, I can't believe it. I took my daughter out 432 times for coffee. And she still doesn't love me. She's still going against me. She still decided she decided that she wants to now marry some guy in Kylo and go against everything I've ever dreamt of for her. Right? After all that I've done for her. The two of them marching out, you know, the mother and her little leggings uh, on Central Avenue with her, with her, with her little princess from, from school taking her out for coffee in the Danish for a salad. Talking about Narishka. That's what it is. That's not that's not how you raise a child. Raising a child is drop after drop after drop. Pashtas, simple and soft and real, and it makes it makes a big, big, big imprint. It makes a big hole through the heart of a child in a good way. How it how it purifies how it purifies and fixes the heart of another person. That's the same thing when it comes to marriage. The couples are getting married, and they 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 have their big they have their big dating thing, and the dating thing that consists of, you know, going to every glat kosher restaurant or milchig's restaurant that there is in New York. It's now it's not like when I was growing up. Now there's like a, I don't know maybe I don't know how many there must be over a hundred kosher places. I don't know one of these places, and you go to everyone whining and dining, and then they discover that marriage doesn't work like that. That what makes a successful marriage is not like you know that you got a nice present or you went on a good trip or you you went to a nice restaurant, but it means one drop after another drop. It's a bisluch of caring, soft, over years and years and years. So what what we're talking about here is not just you know it's not just an avoid it's an everything in avodah relationship in avodah Hashem. So you ask us if you look if you look under the microscope at that night that you spent that you spent with your kid the extra 15 minutes doing homework you look under the microscope do you see that it made a ration on that kid no you don't see that it made a dent in the kid but when it's one night after one day after and helping and picking up and carpool you see how the children in general are so much more devoted to their mothers than their fathers right because why because the mothers every second with them the mothers every second. 
and the mother's doing for them and doing for them. And nothing that the father's like, the father, especially you have Nebuch, you have these divorce situations, it's very, very bad. Because then, let's say the father sees the kid, you know, like one weekend, uh, every three weeks, then, then only buys things and takes the kid and does things and all kinds of. Whereas the mother, every day has the child drop, he has to drop, he has to drop. It's like a losing battle for the father, you understand? It's a losing battle. The kid has a lot of fun by the father. And the kid's always telling, the kid's always telling his mother, Daddy's so much more fun. Because the mother says, we've got to do homework, right? And uh, Daddy says, we're going, to, we're going on the roller coaster today. We're going to, we're going to go to the, you know, the U.S. tennis open or something. And Mommy doesn't do that. Because Mommy's too busy just trying, just trying to keep things afloat. And to do homework and get the kids a bath and uh, get them to sleep and something, right? But then in the end, in the end, where's the devotion? It's the Shaila. The devotion doesn't come from the from the special event, the power wash. The devotion and the ahav and the connection comes from the tipa acha, tipa acha, tipa. A drop and another drop and another drop. Even though you can't see. Why would this make such a big ration? Why would this make such a big ration? When we were growing up, I don't know if there's some, I'm, I'm, I see I'm most of them older than the chavah here, but when we were growing up, where do you think we went for Cholomai? You're almost the same age. Where, where, huh? How old are you? At school. Huh? At school. At school. My parents worked on Cholomai. There were no Cholomai outings. You know what outing meant? The outing meant my father was gone by, by my father died at 5.30 in the morning, at 6 o'clock in the morning. There was, my father was never home Cholomai. My mother went into the store to help. What was Cholomai? You take a stick ball bat, and if you didn't have that, you pulled off the top of the broom. <coughs> The other one had a pensy pinky or a spalding, right? Uh, you know what we say. And, 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 and you know what? We had a good time. We had a better time than the ones that are crushing and crying. How come they're not in Miami? We had a very good time. My parents could afford to take us to Miami, but we never went. We weren't poor. But my, it wasn't part of it. Wasn't, and we had a good time. And, and, and does it mean that my parents didn't love me, that they didn't take me to Miami? Now we're contending with these kind of spars. The kids have these spars now. If my parents would love me, they would take me to Miami. My mother would love me, then I'd be in the mall, or I'd be in the coffee shop, if they would love me. It's the saddest thing. It was never by Jews, such an Indian. I never had any strikers about my parents' love for me. Even the Cholomite, I was on my own. On a good day, we went with a bicycle. We went to, we went, it was a lucky day, we went to Utopia Lanes, where you could bowl for 50 cents, 50 cents uh, a game. To go bowling, 50 cents. And you could wear sneakers, they didn't put the whole scandal with the shoes. <laughs> sneakers, no shoes, you didn't have to have bowling shoes. I never understood the whole thing of bowling shoes. Why can't you wear sneakers? It's a good cash, right? I understand you can't come in cleats. <laughs> Why do you have to wear bowling shoes? So that was another way of getting you. No, Utopia Lanes, 50 cents a game, sneakers. <laughs> sneakers. That was already the most harsh of a day of Cholomoy when we had that. And we felt grateful to the parents because they gave you because you got two bucks. There was enough for a couple of games and a few slices of pizza by Shimon's, and he was set. It's not just a matter of being spoiled; it's a total delusion. And we think that now with the children are going to be happier and better adjusted because they get the power wash trips to Israel, they get the big the big trip to Miami, they get the Pesach in the hotel. Every single one of these events is making the kid further and further away, not closer. Further away, not closer, because the parents use that as an excuse for bonding. <coughs> instead of instead of day after day after day after day, where the mothers have some shiks or somebody else that they hire to this and to that and whatever to take care of those things. Somebody, my my kid was tutoring years ago someplace, and you can't even talk to the parents. She wanted to talk to the parents because they hired her as a tutor to teach to teach Chumash and Navi and stuff to to the to their daughter. 
And my, and my daughter wanted to, to talk to the parents about how the kid is doing. No, they were able to talk. I'm telling you the truth. They spoke to the shiks about it. She had to say about the, how she's doing in Chumash and Navi. Because she tried calling. She couldn't get a call back. And she never saw the lady at home. And when the, and when the shiks said the lady's at home, but she's indisposed. For her own child. So she would come there. Listen, she said that there has to be children. She would come with another girl, another seminary girl. That's a nice story. Another seminary girl, and they had tutoring time for the kids. But you could never talk to the parents. They're not there. They're not there. And on the phone, they didn't return a call. I'm calling you back your daughter. No, no call back. Talk to the shiks. About Chumash and Nazi. <laughs> so she's supposed to ask you like what Perry you up to how's it going what's going on <clears throat> these are extreme situations that none of us have a shaykhist to these kind of crazy stories but a little bit of a little bit of a tumma you have, to, you have to watch out that's what he's saying here hashpo when it comes to pneumias is never ever with his iris his iris is to only get you onto the treadmill so you go to the doctor, and the doctor says to you, you're 100 pounds overweight, you're going to probably die by the time you're 45. That's his service, right? So you go, oh boy. So then you go home, you tell your wife, wow, I had such a thing with the doctor, I got a club, 45, you know, and then your birthday's next week. <laughs> you're going to be finishing until you're 45, and you're 100 pounds overweight, what a club you got from the doctor. So it's a hysteris. And you tell your wife, that's it. I want to be with, with you and the kids and grandchildren. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And they have to so you go out and you buy the most expensive, expensive uh, treadmill. And you, and you get uh, you hire a personal trainer. That also goes with the same ladies on Central Air. You hire, and there's a lot of things that go, a lot of service in these in Yana. And you, you hire a personal trainer. But you have to get on the treadmill every day. And you have to do it. Tipahatipu. And there's nothing glamorous about it. There's nothing exciting about it. It's just hard work. But that's how this ashba. This iris, if it worked to get you on the treadmill, and it worked to try to get you to lose the weight, then it was good. Then it was the iris was kedai. But the iris, people confuse this iris for the binyan. So what does it mean? It means that they think that they have this iris. So I need to, have, I need to do what? I need to find, speak to 40 other doctors that are going to tell me that I'm going to die. And that that will keep me... From you know, from uh, from having that you know that that uh, milkshake with the you know the, with the uh, whipped cream on top, I have to have enough as iris, so I shouldn't do it. The Baba Rebbe Susi Elanu he was a chain smoker, like many Jews were in Europe. He was a chain smoker. So I read in the sefer that he came, that Rebbe went with the they went he went with the shamas because the doc the doctor they had to go for some tests, and he went the Baba Rebbe went to the test. And then he came out from there, and and uh, and the shamus is to give him a cigarette, gave him the to give him a cigarette, and the rabbi said, "No, no more. I'm finished smoking." So the the shamus says, well, "What?" So he said, "The doctor they said that they found now that it was I guess in the fifty other one they found out that it's very dangerous the smoking." So that's it, no more. That was it. The shamus said that was it. That was the end. Gamarinu. Imagine. That was, he got his service, the Rebbe got his service, and now it's time. You don't think the Rebbe had a need for it? He's, but it was a binyan and avayda, day after day after day. It's a binyan. Now, like people are going, how many books are in the bookstore on dieting? <laughs> go to the bookstore, go to the library on dieting. 
The only books that are more than dieting are cookbooks. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, dieting is a felt of books on dieting. This diet, this diet, work, this diet, work. and you have this person goes. Uh, I've seen people that I've seen people that I know that uh, like you see them. I don't see them. So I see them once a year. It's like two, di- two, three different versions. It's like this one's 300 pounds. This one's 180 pounds. And you see them a year later. It's 400 pounds. This one's 280 pounds. Like this one. And you, and you can tell them what's going on. Yes, how, what's, what's with the? Every time I see you, it's like you see two people, one people, three people. So they'll tell you, they'll tell you that he's on a different diet now. It's all hysterics. In our house growing up, I told the on the show, my father's thing about a diet, when he felt we needed to lose weight, he said he would say, stop eating so much. <laughs> that, was the, that was the Ramadka Weinberger diet. <laughs> stop eating so much. Didn't mean that you had to throw out everything from the house and lock the refrigerator and have sirens go off. Diet, diet, diet. You never ate. My father just said, stop eating. You eat too much and have control over yourself. You don't have to eat just because it's in the house. No, because on the uh, on, on the doctor so and so diet, you can't have anything with it. Like they have these, they send it. Isn't it recommended like, to have these rich people have these meals brought to their house? You know what I'm talking about? Zonda. I forgot what it's called. Zonda. Zonda. Yeah, Zonda. Yeah, there's a newspaper uh, that they have. They deliver. You live like you have to live like that, and you wait like they wait like all day until the delivery comes. And if, if the truck doesn't come, they'll die. <laughs> so the truck comes and it puts it at the door, it's showed in the, in the newspaper, kosher, uh, and it leaves it at the door so that, that they could have the one thing that they, they made them a little bit a little bit of a meal. And these are, and these are the guys, the richest people. Who else can afford these kind of things? <laughs> so the richest people have to have come up to such a crazy hamzah that they shouldn't eat because you have no self-control. And it's, davka, it's more by the richer people. You understand? Because the richer the person usually, usually, not love davka, but there's less self-control. Because they're more used to getting things, right? You see like a lot of, you could, sometimes you could talk on the phone, you can see after 30 seconds whether it's a rich person or not. Because a person who's not rich and the answer is no, they usually they're okay with it. But if it's a rich person, then they'll make three calls back and they'll leave you messages and they'll have somebody else call you. Listen, I'm telling you, it's almost almost always, not always, almost always. There's no such thing as no. You say, no, this is not a good, I'm, I'm sorry, no. Like I had the many times, I have, let's say, there was this, there was this one of the richest from people in the world. So he wanted a shidduch with one of, one of, uh, to make a shidduch with, a, with a, his daughter with one of my guys, with one of the boys. So they told me that the boy said to the person, you have to talk to, first talk to everyone, remember. So he was uncomfortable, he didn't know. So, so the Gvir calls me up. So it's a chiddush, he didn't have for somebody, you know, call up for him, to have two people calling to you. So he called me up, because he loves his daughter. So I mean, they spent a lot of times, you know, ski trips. and stuff. So, 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 he, so, he, so he calls me up, and he says, uh, he talks to me about the shidduch and this that. And I, I had already known about this person from years ago, and with an Indian that was in, I was involved in, and it was absolutely not for this boy, not the girl, and not the parents, not for this boy, not for this boy. So in a very nice way, I said, I said, uh, you know, I don't think that I could recommend it for this. It's, it's a different type, it's a different background, different type. I don't think I would recommend it for this particular boy. Let's call him Shmero. I'm not going to recommend it for Shmero. So he's, he, he doesn't talk about it right. He just says, okay, I, I, uh-huh. that's what you feel, I understand. Hangs up. Fifteen minutes later, I get a, I get a call from one of the biggest Rosh Yeshiva in America. Right? Who, this guy gave millions of dollars to his Yeshiva. I get a call from one of the biggest Rosh Yeshiva. 
what's the matter? How come you can't try to make a shidduch? So I tried to explain to the Rosh Hashiva. I'm telling you this happened this this the before before Rosh Hashanah in El. How come you can't? How come what's the matter? She's a nice girl. I said, does Rosh Hashiva know the girl? No, but I know the family. This I know the family's signature. You understand what I mean? <laughs> Another family. So I'm sorry to say it that way, but that's exactly what it was. So I tried to explain to Rashid, and then Rashid hears what I'm saying. And Rashid says, okay, I understand. Two hours later, I get a call from a shamans, from a rabbi. From a chzirish rabbi. The what? The rabbi wants to talk to you. Okay. The shamans, I'm waiting on the phone. The rabbi goes, same thing. What's the, what's the problem? It's not a good shidduch. It's a nice family. It's the same, same conversation. Same conversation. And then it was even after that, after the Roshiva and the Rebbe, there was another person that didn't call me, that came to the house to ring the bell, that wanted to talk about the Shiddah. It's a friend of this person to tell me that they're really very nice, very nice people, and that I should consider it. Only rich people do that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Oh, very rich people do that kind of stuff. Because how could he hear the word no? And only that, some Schmendrick like Weinberger, who he, could, who he could buy out, you know, he could buy out with his toenail. Some schmendrick like Weinberger is telling him no. And he felt so powerless because he knows that if I tell the boy no, the boy's not going to do it. So he felt so frustrated by that. So he sends all the troops. This is, this is, uh, this is a metzius that, that we have to... In our times, this is in the sign, and the sign, these messianists for us. That we have to be careful. But that Sadiq here is talking, of course, is the Ikkis, he's talking about davening, and have to work on anything ever to Hashem. The bottom of the page. Gambin Nakuda, I'm sorry I went away a little bit, but it's, it's an important Nakuda. But it wasn't meant as a power wash either. Gambin Nakuda Sahavayda. When it comes to Avayda Hashem. Life and clearly, in a general way. Ubaifin prati, binyan hatzila, ba anu aiskim, in the Indian of davening. Zui bechinis shel tipa va'ay tipa. You can't just like get excited about davening because you heard some shir about davening, or there's some new sefer that came out about davening, you know, or some new tape series. It means tipa ahat tipa. You have to work on it, day after day. To work on it, not to give up. And you get frustrated. This is what I was talking. You get frustrated because you don't see it's working. I'm doing this already for three days, four days, and I don't see that I'm diving better. I don't see that I'm diving any better. That's not how it works. You have to keep. You have to keep on plugging away. Eventually, you keep it up. It'll make a hole through the rock. You sometimes you see a Balchuva that's learning. It's the most inspirational thing to me. You see a Balchuva that's learning, and he sits with a dictionary, looking up the words, right? Learning a Gemara, learning a Mishnah, and he's looking up every word and writing it down, and Chazring and Ibn Chaz. He doesn't. He doesn't care that he didn't finish this blood or that blood. He's trying to understand it. I look at those people. Those are like my heroes in the whole world. Those to me are the biggest heroes in the world. Because they're smart people, they could be, they could have, they could, they could be working in a some of a firm, and they're prepared to be like Rabbi Akiva, to sit like that again, like a little boy, and look up words in a dictionary, to write them down on this, and to try to. 
I had a discussion with a place. There's a yeshiva that didn't want to take in a Belshuva the other day. Not from our neighbor, in a different area. Didn't want to take in, didn't want to take in a Belshuva. Why? In first grade, didn't want to take the kid before first grade. I don't know if that's like pre one or something. Didn't want to take the kid into yeshiva. Why? Because so this Belshuva is a student of mine. Why? Well, the, the explanation is because they're afraid that as the child grows up, he's not going to be able to learn with them. He's not going to be able to learn. The father doesn't know Gemara. The father never went to Yeshiva. The father's not going to be able to learn Gemara with the son. So they didn't want to take the kid in Yeshiva. I don't know. Did you ever hear Svar like that? Svar like that. I said, so what's the, where's he going to go? To the Balchuva Institute of Learning? What, 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 are you, what are you talking about? I said, this guy works on, on himself. And he turned his whole life around. And he works on it. And he works on word by word, sentence by sentence. And you're going to tell him that his can't, kid can't go to yeshiva to send him to some uh, whatever modern place. It's not for our yeshiva. So don't worry. This guy has no ego. He has no problem telling his son, "I didn't have the privilege of going to yeshiva. I don't have a schus. You do. You'll help me learn." And to ask it to ha- and to get someone to help, he has no problems with his ego. So they took they took the boy into yeshiva. They, they, they took him in. But these are the most choshva people in the world because it's not a matter of inspiration. They were inspired maybe ten years ago at some seminar. That's not it, or some shabbaton. That's not the point. But to sit down with a dictionary and to translate and to and to go for balshuva to be to go to shul. Every experience of balshuva in a shul is embarrassing. And if they call them up for an aliyah, they get nervous and they have to work on it for, for a month before just to get an aliyah. And, then to, and they get nervous about the aliyah. Then you and I walk up for Baal Shuva, that's a traumatic experience to go for an aliyah. You know that? It's a traumatic experience. They, they're always thinking that they're saying the words wrong. Or they don't know how to say it. Or they're afraid or they want to look like they know it by heart because it looks like a lot of people say it by heart and they don't want to have to look at the paper. It's a traumatic thing. And they, they keep on going. They go to shul. To go to learn, those those are heroic people. That's tipa achatipa, and they become great people, great people. They might not ever become a tamachachim because you know it's very hard to start late in life. But it's not like it was with Rabbi Kiva. You know, it's it's harder nowadays. There are a lot of distractions. If you would have the time, you would be a tamachachim. But just they don't have the time anymore because of the parnasim and there. But they'll be great people. They're going to be in Olam Haba in a much higher place than than, than a lot of the people that just uh, you know took it for granted. That's what he's saying. Tfila tzvicha lahachnis beleiv kol elchad hashgacha protest. Davening, davening. No, you think about davening. That's what we were learning in the earlier part of the parak. The whole parak Yudimul is what. When you daven, it means that you're, you're reminding yourself, what's the, who's the address? Where do I go to? Where do I go to when I need something? If something went wrong in my life, remember we talked about it, my shoes tore. Had, who gave me the shoes and who tore my shoes? So who do I go to to speak about shoes? I go to the Rambam to speak about shoes. Everything's from Hashem Every single thing. And you think about that. You can't you can't know where you're holding and test yourself every day. How far am I getting? In other words, where how deep into the rock did the water drip and is it almost going to be a hole in the rock? You don't know that. Rabbi Nachman said all the time, Aklal, you don't ask yourself it's the, where am I holding, where am I holding? You just do the right thing. You do the right thing. Like I said to you, I don't know if I said to you last week, when the Koska said, I don't, he says, I don't need Hasidim who are walking around all the time being Mahara B'Tshuva, who have thoughts of Tshuva. I want Hasidim who are so busy they don't have time to do any of theirs. That's what he said. It's a good vibe. I want Hasidim that are so busy 
learning and davening and growing, they don't have time to do those things. They're so in in what they're supposed to be doing that that they don't have to sit with the cheshbonis and a million things. They're just doing what they have to do. That's the kind of chesidim I want tonight. Chesidim are busy, busy thinking, learning, davening, ben al mechaveru, busy with good things. That's the ikkah. But to say every time, where am I holding cheshbon nefesh? All things are cheshbon nefesh. You know, it's time for self-evaluation and all of that. There isn't any cheshbon nefesh. Of course there is. A person puts aside a time, a little bit of time, like the Tanya says, whatever it is, a little bit of time. Every now and then you make a cheshbon nefesh, and every shchayidish, whatever, make a cheshbon nefesh, something. Not like every day. Where's, where's the drop of water? Hold, where's it holding? So you can go back once a week to see that stone. To see, did, it get, did the hole get any bigger? It's also crazy. The ikkah is to keep on dripping, to keep the water going. That's the ikkah. It's hard to say. Do I, today, is it better, more and than yesterday? They didn't yet make a, a meter. Where you, could, where you can go over and plug in a thing into the wall and put it, and put it on your heart and it shows like where you're holding in your, in your Hagoshif Hashem like a, a Kavana meter or something they didn't make anything like that so you can't there's no clue to test these things you just have to you just have to keep on working at it Elamai Hatfila Atzmatshichlis Mahala Shachizik Yisaydeh Samunit Ba'adam Davening Davening is constantly thinking about how you made this, you did that, and the whole world, every second is And to think at every day, just the right machshavis, and more and more and more good machshavis, good thoughts, to be machazik, the yisaitis of Umar, because the whole union of davening is to strengthen our belief in Ashgachah Pratis. The whole davening. So Hashem doesn't need these words. The whole davening is that Hashem wants us to become closer to Him. And we become closer to Him by all the time chazing over drip after drop after drop, the boring words, if we think about them, not if you don't think about them, of what, of belief in Hashgach HaPratis. That Hashem's Baruch is the Baal Abbas, Hashem's Baruch runs the world. Who do I, who do I ask for? The same Talamot Levrach Al Pnei Adam, Sabeinim Who do I talk to about? I need a Panasu. Where is it going to come from? The Ik is by davening. Another drop, another drop of the moon, another drop of the moon. That's how a yid becomes a big person. Another drop. Every davening is an opportunity. Every single drop of davening. There's another drop of of what is. Another drop of the moon and Hashem. That He's the one who I talk to. Every drop. And when you do it that way, and you daven that way, you don't know exactly when did your heart crack. You don't know exactly when did you make it through the concrete surface. It just happens. It's supposed to happen. Someone was just telling me last night on the phone a very, very beautiful thing that, that shook me up a lot. He said that there was a yid in Israel who was married for many years who didn't have any children. No, he didn't have any children. And he was very close to the, there was a big Elah that gave a lot of shirim of Shams and Pinkus all of a sudden. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you might have seen his farm. Uh, he was a very chosh of Yid. And he, he was American, Shamsh. But he was a big Baal Hashpah there in Israel. He was a big Mashpah. So this Yid, this Yid, 
this was an American fellow, and he went to, he was talking to Rabbi Shamshin Pincus about how he can't he can't go on like this anymore, you know, without children. They married a long time, and he went to this rabbi, went to that rabbi, there's nothing. So so he said, this person told me that one day Rabbi Shamshin Pincus said to him, we're going to go for a ride. Where? So he takes this someplace outside Yerushalayim, and they go to a they go to a, fa- a forest, and the Shamshin lets him out of the car, and he says, "Go into the go over here into the forest and cry out to Hashem. Cry out to Hashem about this about what's happened, about how much you want a child, you and your wife. And cry out to Hashem about how long it's been and so on. And then and I'll come pick you up, whatever. I'll be here in 15, 20 minutes. I'll pick you up. I have to go somewhere. So he left him there. And Rabbi comes back, whatever, 20 minutes later, and he, and he said, no, nope. he comes in, and he comes into the class, and said, did you die? He said, I died. He said, you didn't die. He said, what do you mean? I did die. He said, no, because your eyes aren't even red. Your eyes aren't even red. I'm leaving you here now. Stay here. I'll come back in an hour. But this time, you better make sure your eyes are red. So he left him. He said, when he came back, <coughs> the guy didn't come out to the car. He was on the floor, sobbing like a baby. The and they had less than a year later they had a job that's what we told them yes now you dive in now you dive in first time in your life now you dive in stronger than anybody else you dive in and then you had a kid that's that's just a person has to <coughs> to to enter into it and work at it and here he's able to have an, such a Yeshua that's what that's what that's what davening is. When a person is far from the davening, and he doesn't hear the words himself, he doesn't hear the words. He just says them. He doesn't hear them. It's drama yaitzim but not So then, how could that davening work? It didn't even work on him. Forget about it in Shabbat. Didn't you didn't even you didn't even get yourself worked up? So how are you supposed to be mashpia somehow in the oilness? You yourself are not. You yourself didn't have hashpah from your own tears. But when a person thinks about Hashgoch HaPratis and he thinks about Hashgoch when he's davening day after day after day so then you become a person like a davening and the davening becomes something which is which is real. To strengthen the Yisoydes of Amun in a person to see the Hashgoch you don't see that. It's like it's like we said before, like the rock and like the tree growing. You don't see that. You only see how the tree it gets sunlight, it gets water. You look over now, you see over 10, 15 years, you see, wow, it became a tree. Same thing with the children. You don't have to. It doesn't. It's not, not so much some big event. Imagine if you had a tree, and every three years you didn't just give it sunlight. You gave it like Miami or Phoenix sunlight. That wouldn't help it grow. The tree needs to have just, uh, it needs to have a supply, a regular supply of sunlight, a regular supply of water. It doesn't go like that. It means consistent and it's a little bit over time. That's how that's how it grows. Same thing. Over the course of a long period of time. Why do you daven? You daven. The ik is not to be answered in your diving. That will happen. But the ikir is hashroshes to drive emun and Hashem deep into your heart. To drive the emunah into your heart. That's the tachlis of the Nailu, and you're a bigger mammon. So then there's a higher Hashgachah Pratis. The bigger the mammon, the Ram says, the bigger the Hashgachah Pratis. The 
bigger Ashkach HaPratis. And the more Kaychis Yitzvila have to be Paral and Shemai. So the Tzaddikim are able to be Paral such things. Not because they have a better voice or they say the words nice or they know, but because they are immune and Ashkach HaPratis is so strong. When the Gemara, the Rebbe Chanina Ben was able to say, like right, the Rebbe Chanina was able to say, the same God who makes oil light can make vinegar light. We can't say that and get away with it. And then we, then you light the vinegar and something's going to happen. It's not going to happen. Because if we would say the words, that we wouldn't mean them. We would just say, even like you have Maisim, a few Maisim famous Tzaddikim about how a person saw a Maisim from a Tzaddik and then he just wanted to duplicate that Maisim, then you can't do it a second time because the first time it was very sincere, the second time is not sincere. The second time is just imitating the first time. Like that guy in the forest, the Shamshan Pinkus, he would say, he would say, this wasn't bad. And he thinks I could also use a Panosa. So he figures that tomorrow I'll go back to that forest. I'm gonna, this, is, this is good. That's the way you're proud of me, and it's not so passionate. But when you live with Ashgach HaPratis Be'emes, then, then the tefillahs are answered. Zuhi HaKdami Yisaitis L'Kol Mahalach HaTefillah This is a basic introduction to the whole Indian of davening. To the whole Indian of davening. To the way davening works. He'll talk much more about it, amazing things in the next parak Mamish. Kishodim Adabrim HaRabani Shalom When a person speaks to the Rabbani Shalom, with the Rabbani Shalom, Just the fact that you could talk like that to Hashem, that's the most unbelievable schus. Which we think of it as a burden, as a responsibility. It's the most unbelievable schus. What a schus a person has to be able to talk to a person like that. Whenever we want. And then there are special times of the day that, that, that we're able to speak to him with words that are so powerful and so meaningful. When a person recognizes this, and he knows that this is the oimek, this is the deeper, deeper, deeper thing that I could receive from davening, is what? A connection to Hashem, and a belief in Hashgach HaPratis, and that Hashem is the boyre, and I'm a nivri, He's the creator, and He created me, and there's nothing in the world that's only the Barnish, and there's only Elokus, and, and, and that's all there is. And a person, when a person davens that way, me melet filosanas his davening becomes a davening that's filled with simcha. It's not a burden. It doesn't feel like it's schlepping. You don't have to go out of shul ten times. You ever see grown men walking out of shul so many times, back and forth, back and forth? If you if you were eight year old, would do that in school, they'd be sent home. <laughs> they get letters and calls home. And you go parents teacher, they say, no, your kid is coming back and forth. The grown men in shul. You know what I'm talking about? Back and forth, back and forth. You never saw anything like it. It's it's a crazy thing. Basic, he say. I mean, maybe some once in a while someone has an Indian, you know, they have a problem or something. But healthy people, where they're going back and forth, back and forth, to take care of a kid. I mean, it could be the kids taking care of them. Back and forth, so many times to go in shul. You ever see yourself doing that? I'm not, I'm not asking you to raise your hand. <laughs> you ever feel yourself doing that? Like you just, like you're getting antsy, being in the sa- in the same shul. It's already Shabbos and. Couple of too many, too many aliyahs and a long haftar. You know what I'm saying? You can't you just feel uncomfortable. You got to get out a little bit. So you'll see about the basic isa. You see, you never know. Maybe something will be talked about the basic isa. Or you, or, or you, or you go stam to, to to walk around a little bit to get some air, to schmooze, to check up on your kid, whatever it is. Grown, grown people. 
no child would ever get away with that in school. Because there's only one thing that's more unbearable than a child being stuck in school, which is a, an adult being stuck in shul. It's bigger, Rahmanis. Because why? Because an adult has more bechir, right? So an adult knows I could be in a thousand other places. A kid doesn't know. The kid says he's going to go to school. He has no choice. He can't go out of school because he'll get in trouble. I mean that. But an adult really gets upset because I could be in a thousand other places. Especially today, I could have dived in the, in the Hashgar minion or something. I got stuck with some Baltfila that's gargling over there for the whole, you know, for two hours. And I got stuck with some Baltfila. Why are people walking in and out of school all the time? I don't know. I, I'm Leanne Harvey. The school's almost 15 years. I think it was maybe once or twice that I had to go out because of a personal, physical thing that I had to go out in 15 years. So I assumed that most of the chagras like that too. That before they daven, they, they, there's a halacha, they take, they take care of the ashiyats, and they do what they have to. And you can stay for two hours, two, two hours, two and a half hours, you can stay in a shul. Sometimes a person doesn't feel well, it happens. So they say that over 15 years, two or three times it happens. But you have people can say that. Back and forth, coming and going, in and out. What is that? It's not, to, not, to, not to be able to have a shaykhis tetzvila. Davening is a burden, it's a schlep, and you want to get out. You just want out. Or you need a change. Then you have the people davening in seven different shuls syndrome. I have to have a change. It's like you know, a change of scenery. So what? Uh, you like this shul, you like this shul. They're all nice shuls. There was never in the history of class where people died in seven different shuls. There was never such a thing. We spoke about this many times. There was never such a thing. And I told that to people in the shul, in the daven by me. I said, why don't you, why aren't you daven over there? You don't have to daven here. I'm not saying, I'm not asking you where you every day different three different shuls Shabbos for. I'm not asking you that every Shabbos is different. I'm not, I'm not saying because I need you in the shul. We have Hashem. We have a minion. I'm not asking you because of that. I'm not worried we're not going to have a minion. I'm worried about you. You need to you need to open up a standard and to have a place and to be there and especially if you have children that this should be a shul I live in this shul so don't be an Ishkai that's okay I'm missy you're a nice guy go down in another shul but don't be a dray cop don't dray around every day the familiar every Shabbos there's no consistency why? because he needs a change he likes he likes some people there he likes this day he likes the rub sometimes good there the rub sometimes good here but there was never such, think about those of you who grew up in, in Yiddishkeit, there was never such a sorrow that we didn't have that. My father died, that was his place. Sometimes the rub was better, sometimes it wasn't so good. Sometimes the chasm was good, sometimes the chasm wasn't good. Right? Now I have guys that are trying, they're going to find out, I have guys in the shul, they try to ask in advance from the Gabba to get out of Avi, who's going to be the Balmusif or the Balshah, who's in the, in the big minion, right? And if it sounds like it's bad, it could be a problem. Then they'll dive in Hashkoma. They plan it out during the week. Because <laughs> they don't want to get stuck. They plan it out. So they try to get out from the Gabai. Who do you think is going up from Musaf? Oh boy. God, stay out. Staying away. It's dangerous, Musaf. Staying away. There was never such a thing. It was Kabbalah soul. This is who you are. This is who you dive in. Sometimes you get stuck with that Musaf. Nobody enjoys it, but it's part of being a Nobody enjoys it, but that's, that's a Kabbalah soul. This is why this is what I do. I so, so Sometimes I get home and a half hour later, so say if I run in. But it's a couple of oh, it's part of the drip after drip of being a Jew. What it means to be a Yid. I don't know how to. Ex- there's no way for me to communicate this. To this. If you understand what I'm talking about, you understand. I can't make a person understand this because it sounds like something which is a, no big deal. It, but it, but it is from the perspective of the drops of what makes a Jew into a Jew. It means consistency. It means 
consistency, whether you, whether it makes you feel great that day or not. Just doing what you're supposed to do, and being you're supposed to be, and being in the same, and, and having a, and having a routine. The issue is how in my routine, how can I have ischachis? That's what it means to be a Jew. Say that. That's we all need that. We all need ischachis. And sometimes it could be that you're in the wrong shul, and then go to another shul, but dive in the other shul all the time. Ischachis. Ischachis. Everybody needs ischachis. But that's not void ischachis. It's not that you're looking for somebody else to be machadish something for you. I'm going to go to this place. I'm going to hear a better drush. I'm going to go here. I hear better about two. I'll go here. I get a, I get a shorter, you know, a shorter chazal shas. Then you're looking for somebody to make changes in you. Mishadish is inside of you. How to be mishadish? And how are you mishadish with avoda? Then you're davening, as he says, with simchinis ayres. Wherever you are, whether you're by the kaisel or, or whether you're davening in some shul that you're not so comfortable in. You have to be someplace a guest for uh, Shabbos or Simchon. You're in some shul and you'd rather not be there. But you could find this Simchon Esoyus in your davening. It's not a question of the weather conditions. It's not a question of what the temperatures are. I can only daven between 65 and 72. It's the weather. But if it's humid or if it's the... I can't daven. My father tells me he remembers in, in Europe what what it was like. And he remembers more than once on a Rosh Hashanah to be in the Bismedrish. My father said, you were crushed with people because they wanted to all be by that minion, by the Rav. You were crushed and there was no, as I said, there was air conditioning. There was no air conditioning. But I asked my father to have at least one of those, you know, my father said, fan? No, there was no fan. He said, it was a mazel. You tried, if you were a gvir, you can get a seat next to someplace near a window. That's if you were a gvir. My father said, it must have been 120 degrees. But nobody was looking out of their machzah. Everybody was screaming and crying. Can you imagine putting us in that? There's already be 12 calls right after Yontif to the board and to this and that. And I'm never going to step foot into a place again. What kind of things? I got stuck in that thing and it was, and it was set on the thermostat 76. And I, I'm never in the rest of my life ever. I never in my life davened and I never will daven in such a place. You know, this is like. It's not just a matter of being spoiled. It's, I don't have ischaivis. Davening is not inside of me. My ischaivis can only come by, by things outside of me. So if the weather is a certain way, it's a certain kind of a davening. But if davening is inside of you, all you need is your siddha. No matter where you are. All you need is your siddha, you need your machsa, you need your health, with God's help, and your, and your davening. And then you're in another world. You don't need anything else, just the siddha. And if you're not diving behind and you're stuck with that city, it still works. That's all you need is the Baruch Hashem. He's Baruch Hashem everywhere. But that's the Avoid of Tzila. That's Tibach and Tzila. Okay, that's Hashem will start Taikidal next week.